0: Welcome to We Are DB. I'm Brenton, joined as always by Danielle. Hello, hello. Thanks for joining us as we count up the IMDb's best movies of all time and discuss some of the greatest films you mightn't ever have seen. This week, rated as number two on the Internet Movie Database by millions of film lovers from around the world, is The Godfather. Released in 1972, starring an extraordinary cast, most notably Marlon Brando and Al Pacino as the leads, The Godfather is an Italian-American mafia film set mostly in New York, opening in 1945. Based on the 1969 novel of the same name by Mario Puzo, the film is written for the screen by Puzo and the film's director, Francis Ford Coppola.
1: So, who is Brando playing? Is Sonny?
0: No, he's, uh, he's the Don. Really? It's Marlon Brando. Radio. He he did look very weird. I'm pretty sure he had stuff stuffed in his cheeks, because he, he does not look like him from any other role. Okay. Now I haven't seen this before. And I don't think you have either. No. So some of the things we'd be saying in this are probably pretty obvious to people who love the movies and and the trilogy, but this is the first time we've ever seen it, so it's a first impressions kind of kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And I think it would. I'd really like to watch it again and again because I think I would enjoy it more with every viewing.
1: I think it's going to be, for me at least, necessary to watch it again because it, it became difficult to follow at one point And I was following more of it than you were.
0: Yeah, it was pretty it was it was, pretty hard to follow.
1: It's a lot of Italian names. There's a lot of guys
0: are, that kind of looked similar, all in suits. Yeah,
1: I was going to say a bunch of Italian guys in suits with similar names. You kind of get lost in the politics of it at some point so i mean i liked it
0: if you've seen it just once before and you know who the character's names are i'm sure it flows a hell of a lot more smooth it's just that first viewing
1: well and it's long it is long it's a bit dense so let's just give our impressions i said to you right after i'm like this this is the second best movie of all time It's, it's on a lot of these lists yeah i was like it was fine
0: I uh, it's was pretty friggin- good.
1: I was friggin' confused. It's fine, yeah. Um,
0: but I definitely think it's going to grow on me.
1: I think it probably could. There's been some that we've watched where initially I thought to myself, what the fuck? What is this crap? As it went on, you know, I thought it was fine, but I didn't get it. And then as it went on, we talked about it more. I'm like, yeah, I actually really like that movie. So this could probably be one of those for me.
0: Although I did enjoy it, I think... The best thing about the entire movie is the acting. I really think that everyone mm. in this is giving a great performance.
1: I would agree with that because it you were so immersed in trying to follow the story that you didn't really notice much else. And that's because they were doing what they were supposed to be doing very well. You know what they I mean? They
0: did it very believably. Like they had yeah. very good chemistry between them. They seemed like a bunch of brothers.
1: Yeah. They No, they really did. No, I totally agree with you on that point.
0: The movie was nominated for 11 Oscars. Three of them were just for Best Supporting Actor for three different people. Oh, wow. And another one was Best Actor in a main lead, and that was won by Brando. And it also won Best Picture and Best Adapted Screenplay for Puzo. The entire combined Godfather trilogy was nominated for 28 Oscars. Altogether. Altogether. Was
1: it the same, like same production company same director it's the same, same people writer, yep. same,
0: same director that's, same everything
1: that's quite the accomplishment
0: yeah so how number how many did they win i think it was like 10
1: that's impressive for like would you call that a franchise for one entity for I one i would en- call
0: it a series or yeah. a trilogy
1: for that to be nominated and win that many awards is quite the achievement that's I
0: probably why two of them are in the top 3 on the IMDB So even though the third one is much higher on the list, I think we'll still watch it just to get the context.
1: We'll watch one and two because they're in the top ten.
0: And then we'll just watch the third one just to get that context Mm -hmm. because I really like to get the context of where did the story go. Mm In 1977, CBS released a Godfather saga which was chronologically combining Godfather 1 and 2 which makes me believe that there's parts of Godfather 2 that are both a sequel and prequel, or or there's parts that are set during number one. So it sounds like it's spliced together. So
1: Or there might be things that did or didn't happen. Because I don't know what the next one's about.
0: I'm not sure. I, I thought it was a sequel until I read that there was a saga cutting it chronologically, and I've heard it's very good. But I really just wanted to watch them as... Part one, part two, part three. As just they to, were meant. Just to get that idea, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking maybe there is more Brando in the second one, if it's a prequel.
1: That would be interesting. This is all speculation, by the way. We have It no is, idea. I haven't seen it. I'm yeah. sure this time
0: next week we'll be like, we're an idiot and everyone knows that we're an idiot because it's a classic and everyone else has seen it.
1: I want to jump straight into my fascination with the Mafia, if I may. So sure. part of the reason why I found this so interesting is because... For whatever reason, I've always kind of had an intense curiosity of what life as, like, a mob wife would be like, and just the politics and dynamics of mafia families. So that was really interesting for me to go through and watch this and see, you know, from a first-hand perspective, exactly what that's about in what would be kind of considered, like, the golden age of classic mob families. Because when was this set? This was like the... From the 40s,
0: from 45 to 55.
1: Which is honestly when it would have been happening because I think a lot of these sorts of institutions were created in response, in the US anyway, to Prohibition, which happened in the 30s. Right, so this would be... They would have developed because they're like, well, we could make money off of selling liquor. Like, come on. You know what I mean? Because that was Al Capone's whole deal is that he was smuggling whiskey from Canada.
0: Why... Is it that identity on Italian-Americans? Was there an influx of an it- Italians in America there, in the early 20th century?
1: There must have been. I'm not sure. But Why I mean, do you have
0: that fascination with the mob wives in particular?
1: I think it's the, the intense family dynamic I can really relate to.
0: It's the drama.
1: <laughs> Less the drama and more the relationships. So I come from a big French family, as you know, and so I can really relate to that whole aunties and uncles and cousins and oh, I'll help you take care of that and stuff like that. So I'm just curious, you know, to see as I'm familiar with that, that similar kind of dynamic, how it can translate into business, first of Mm. all, and then into, I mean, it is the family business, but it's not, you know, above board business. I've always had that fascination trying to understand, you know, how crime can be woven into those situations. And with these women, they they know. I mean, it was really interesting because what was her name? Diane Keaton. Diane Keaton
0: plays yeah. uh, Al Pacino's wife.
1: Who And his character is the son of of the Don. Don Corleone the head of of that mob family so
0: were you very interested to see how that character was reacting to things and the way well, she... yeah because
1: I'm like you stupid woman like what do you mean you don't know that because I mean she she was just a regular upper class American and she was just very naive to the kind of workings of that family just in the very opening scene during the wedding there she's asking him about you know well, how did, how did your father help that person or whatever? And what do you mean a deal he can't refuse? What did he offer him? And he, Michael, uh, Al Pacino's character, straight out lays it out to her. He held a gun to his head and, you know, basically said, it's either going to be your signature or your blood on this contract. And I just think to myself with these women, how can you not know? What's going on? Like, even if. Oh, I think they
0: do. They just sort of accept it and all turn a blind eye.
1: Absolutely. But Diane Keaton's character, she just, she was side blinded. I'm like, hello. Maybe she's. Well, he
0: just got back from war in the beginning of the film Mm. at the wedding. So maybe she was she was new to the relationship and new to the family dynamic. Mm-hmm. But towards the end there, like even I'm that last say, scene, yeah. she seems a little naive because he has that famous line where he's like, don't ever ask me about my business. So it's kind of, uh, she, she still seems kind of naive after 10 years. Well,
1: because I don't know how much other people outside of Australia know about Underbelly. Underbelly is an Australian series about the goings-on of the crime families in Melbourne in the early 2000s. Yeah. Yeah, so... What's going on there, there was a very um, notorious group of people who were all over the news at that time, and they, because so much was going on, and it actually was really, there was a lot of intricacies to it. They made a series about it, and it gives you a look into life in the modern Australian mob, which is still, interestingly enough, predominantly Italian. Um, yeah. But I just thought it was an interesting comparison to draw between the mob wives of the 40s and the mob wives of today because these women now they're so much more savvy you know and you see what was her name the the mom you see her as this the mother as this really strong hard woman who like you don't mess with her either you know what i mean as much as you don't mess with these men you don't mess with this but it's just an interesting juxtaposition to see you know, Diane Keaton's character, who's very quite meek and naive and unaware. And then to see these women who have been in this life for a very long time, they understand the intricacies, they understand their place and what has to happen for them to continue their lifestyle. So I just thought it was an interesting juxtaposition there, personally. And I've always been curious about what it would be like to be a woman in that position, just because, I, like I said, I have a Curious fascination,
0: yeah. How would you summarize this movie just in your own mind and your own catalog? Did you enjoy it?
1: I think so. I think I honestly, I think it needs a second watch for me to properly answer yeah. that question because there was a lot that you know we had to pause it and rewind it a couple times to be able to. Uh, follow exactly what was going on in some particular situations and in that you miss some of the bigger picture of what makes a film enjoyable so did i enjoy it i think it was fine
0: i almost feel like it was a series of great iconic scenes strung together with okay scenes yeah. Because there was a lot where it's like, "Oh, that was cool, but I had to watch the last 20 minutes of dialogue to understand why that was cool.
1: Yes, and I don't know that the plot was particularly captivating. You know what I mean? I really
0: think it's going to be a lot more captivating in second viewing.
1: Well, and that makes sense because you set up a canon, you know, so you would literally... A first film is always, if it creates a sequel, it's setting up the springboard to go deeper into that realm. I'd really like to yeah. see if the
0: second one makes this one seem better or worse or puts more insight into certain elements of it. It could be really interesting, mm-hmm. which I feel like it kind of does. Oh, for sure. The whole movie did seem very italian there's a part where Al Pacino goes to Italy and they're speaking Italian. There's lots of parts with subtitles. They're in Italian restaurants. They're all got very Italian names.
1: Question though regarding subtitles there is a particular part in the middle where they specifically don't use subtitles. And I don't think that was a disc error. I think that was intentional because there's... I think it was too. And I'm wondering if that was a directorial choice. Because in that scene, there are Michael, who is Al Pacino's character, another gang-related character, and a person who doesn't speak Italian. Yes, and so I'm wondering if that was a directorial choice to put the audience in the dark as that other non-Italian That's a very good character point. would have been, because it creates a lot of confusion, and you have to draw meaning just from body language. You have to and read more into cues. their
0: facial expressions mm-hmm. and those those micro expressions and. Mm-hmm body language and things like you said. So that's a that's a very good point. Mm-hmm. I've actually seen that I'm pretty sure Tarantino did it in Inglorious Bastards.
1: Something similar?
0: Yeah, where he he either removes it or the subtitles are in French. Like it goes they're speaking in French and the subtitles are in English. And then as you're going through you notice that the subtitles start to change into French. And for the most part Inglorious Bastards is a subtitled movie. There's more subtitles than there is native English. And which, it's,
1: honestly, I think is a great touch. It really is. What I've seen. He
0: does that for a reason in that film. And it makes you feel like the character is getting a bit of confused or is just not following along.
1: And I like when directors do that, where they create for the audience an experience that is not so meta. Because usually you're looking in from that fourth wall, but you're removed. Which is why I love... Things that are more meta, so breaking the fourth wall or bringing you into that box of that experience, right? So creating that confusion that the characters would feel, just choices of context creation that allow you to really become immersed in the experience of the characters. Yeah, I really
0: like to see that more.
1: I've become very... Um, aware aware of, it. of it and really appreciative of it in watching more movies lately.
0: It was noticeable how good the score was because even though this is a movie that I've never seen before, there was parts where I'm like, I recognize that Music. track mm. because this is such an iconic movie. There's a lot of parts of it that are parodied a lot in other uh, other movies and TV series. There's a lot from The Simpsons.
1: Which is, again, why we were so keen on doing this in the first place is because it gives you, by gathering all these references from popular culture, it allows you to actually appreciate. Oh, I know what that means yeah. now. You know what I mean? Yeah, it allows you to appreciate the whole beast more fully because you understand, like we were watching a scene from the Rugrats movie.
0: Yeah, the At one when in Paris.
1: Yeah, which before watching this movie, I would have been like, that's friggin' weird. And now I'm like, oh my god, it's so funny, and they did it so well.
0: It was very similar to the very first time that I watched Indiana Jones, and I'd never seen those movies before, but I'm like... I know this music. It's such an iconic score from yeah. John Williams. It's like da 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 da. Yeah. And you just you just know that. And that is a sign of a good score where it's very iconic and very recognizable. Mm-hmm. For a movie that you've never seen before, you feel familiar. Yeah. And that's how I felt in this one. Um maybe it's particular instruments that he uses. It's yeah, it just makes it feel like The Godfather. A lot
1: of those iconic scores tend to use a lot of wind instruments a lot of trumpets trombones to create that grandeur that's what you see in star wars that's what you see in indiana jones yeah that's that's definitely in harry potter i'm trying to think if it was in
0: pirates it's funny because that's literally all of the same composer except for pirates but did almost sound almost like an italian opera at times it was Mm. very grand orchestral kind of pieces and other times there was there was noticeably no sound, just to make you feel tense mm-hmm. and in the moment a little bit more, mm-hmm. and I really appreciate that, and I took I took note of that. For some reason, I thought Robert De Niro was in this movie, but he, he must be in the sequels.
1: Maybe we just shouldn't talk about that, because, like, what if he's not in any of it?
0: What if he's not in any of yeah. them? Well, he's in a lot of mafia movies, so maybe I'm just getting confused with, like, Goodfellas and Heat...
1: Probably even Al
0: Pacino. This is very defining character for Al Pacino. Like everything he's done after that, he owes to this character, this role. Because mm-hmm. I'm thinking he was also in Heat with Robert De Niro, and he was in Donnie Brasco. He's just it's in a bunch of mafia movies where he's just got that character because that's what he's known for. Because
1: he's Italian is what it is.
0: Well, it's funny you say that because Scarface was a very iconic mafia film for him, and he was playing a Cuban.
1: So we're going to jump into the spoilers now. There were... We say there's a lot of iconic scenes, and there was one in particular that, again, I think has been parodied a lot, and that's the horse head. Um, in the bed, yeah. Yeah, which is, I mean, when we were talking about Rugrats, that made me laugh so hard when they had, we found this in our crib! They had <laughs> yeah, the little, it was a little hobby horse head, yeah. which I just... I cackled because I'm like, I love when kids' movies take references that the parents will appreciate. You know what They're I mean? They're harmless
0: so? to children, but if you know the references, then it's really funny.
1: Yeah. You'd even be surprised the amount of, like, dirty jokes that work their way into kids' movies. Oh, yeah.
0: You don't realize that no. until you grow up.
1: Yeah. It's funny. But anyway, so...
0: There's also a scene in The Simpsons where Lisa gets a pony. Oh, yeah. And she wakes up and she takes the covers off and there's a pony just lying there as if it's dead and she screams and obviously that's a godfather reference but i'm like that was a weird scene to put in there yeah yeah
1: so regarding that scene um what happens is the don's sending a message to somebody he cuts off the head of his six hundred thousand dollar racehorse and puts it in his bed my question a lot of money in the 40s my question was where did you get that head because either like for that time period, that was a pretty realistic-looking prop. Or, if it was a horse's head, how did you avoid the animal cruelty how charges? How did they do it for the film? Yeah, so that's what I'm really curious Maybe they just about. went to the
0: glue factory.
1: That's what I figured they must have done. They
0: must have just got a uh, donated head, because it looked pretty real for the prop well, department and, like, to the, make that.
1: The eyes were all, like like fogged over and stuff i was just like i remember sitting back and being like damn like that was a nice touch <laughs> You know yeah. what I mean? a gross one but a good one
0: that's why it's rated r i think the best thing about that scene is it happens reasonably early in the film it's about half an hour in which for a three-hour film is is pretty early mm. and up till then you don't really see the power of the family it opens with a pretty long wedding scene and it you was s- very long it was it was probably the first 20, 25 minutes. I would reckon. And you do see a lot of people going up to the Don, uh, Brando's character, and showing a lot of respect. Like, he's obviously a powerful, feared kind of man. But you don't actually see why. What What does he do? How does he work?
1: Because, and I think that was an interesting kind of way to introduce the family, because you're introducing yeah. the family within the context of family, yes, which makes them seem... You know, like you say, not quite as powerful until you get into the real world, which is exactly what you're talking about. It well, you assume
0: away. you assume that they're all about muscle and guns and violence, but that was a very powerful move without even waking him up. He yeah. showed a message of, I can get to you, I can get to your horse... And I can just spring it on you while you're asleep. Like it, it was. I'll get
1: you before you even realize I'm there. That is right? that is
0: such a power move. Mm-hmm. That shows the Don has balls. And I really thought that that was a cool way to present that because you could have just showed the Don
1: like shooting someone in the head, shooting
0: someone, or, or ordering yeah. a hit on someone, or punching someone in the face. But that particular move, as the very first power move of the film, is really crucial for that character development of the entire family as to what they can do and how they go about doing it it's smart, it's organized crime and not just criminals
1: and upon reflecting on that kind of mentality in the very beginning scene there's a monologue of a man in the community coming to the dawn asking for retribution for his daughter who was I think um, sexually assaulted and disfigured because of it and there's that was the opening dialogue wasn't it yeah yeah that and it's a lengthy sort of conversation about uh respect and lack of respect and will you do it and well maybe and kind of thing and it ends with the don talking to his councilman there uh tom saying ordering ordering the hit but it's not a hit it's you know, basically, we're just going to scare him. I don't want any violence here because it's not necessary. So, like you're saying, it is very logistical. All of what they do is very well thought out. I don't know if this is the case always. You've always got people who, you know, are trigger happy or have a a lust for violence or I'm whatever. I'm sure at times
0: it becomes emotional, particularly when you get the family or their business involved. There's, um... What was the daughter's husband's name when he... When Carl Carl. when they mm-hmm. realized that he was was, in, was involved in Sonny's death then it got very emotional mhm and then they brought that sort of mentality out more but when it's it's people approaching you for work i'm sure it is quite logical
1: well and it's said even within the film at a variety of different times throughout it's not personal it's just business It's not personal until you make it personal, which they also exemplified.
0: Well, you couldn't get to that sort of level if you made it just out of emotional retaliations every time. Mm -hmm. Even in that very first dialogue, the man wants retribution. He wants revenge. He wants these people dead Mm -hmm. for doing this to his daughter. Mm -hmm. And the Don says well, that's not justice because your daughter's still alive. Like, he's thinking of it logically and not emotionally. Mm-hmm. He's not putting himself in this man's shoes and thinking, okay, I would want these people dead because if it was me, that's what he would do. He's doing it as a businessman who's been approached and thinking, well, what, let's think about this logically. Is that a fair trade? And that's the way he constructs his business and Mm -hmm. i really quite appreciate that obviously that's the point because Mm -hmm. this is a man to be respected Mm -hmm. all of these people are and that's the reason for it and the way brando portrays it you can really see this is a powerful respectful man that you can understand would get to that position it's
1: yeah like it's he portrays it in such a way that you're like well of course of course he is who he is yes you know what i mean like you couldn't Somebody who wasn't as strong or as, hard- well, not even hard-headed, but just somebody else wouldn't be able to get to that position.
0: There's a lot of movies and series in the last, say, 10, 20 years that have the antagonist or a gang leader as bit of a wimpy kind of guy or someone who's just snaps his fingers and gets his muscle to do it for him. Mm-hmm. And they're not nearly as, as believable as Brando's character or Vito Corleone. Here. Well,
1: because if you don't have a spine, nobody's going to respect you. If you, in that situation, couldn't do what you're asking your muscle to do, then how can you expect them to do it for you? Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: I completely agree with that. And in yeah. those situations, it's probably just money, but it's not realistic.
1: Well, and that's the thing, though, is that sure, you can buy loyalty, but you're not going to keep it unless... Yes. Unless you're of the character to not demand loyalty, but that, you know what I mean? Like you assert yourself in that way that people want to be loyal to you, which I think the Don definitely does. He's got a lot of old time members around him who they'll, they'll go with him till his dying breath. You know what I mean? Just because that's that's the kind of relationship he's forged based on who he is and how he operates.
0: Even that very first guy with the opening dialogue, mm-hmm. even that is very well acted. You can feel for him. And just because of the f- opening shot is just his face and it starts to pan back, you're just focusing on him and the way he's acting that scene. And I really like scenes like that because you can really see and appreciate the person as an actor.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I'm thinking of another particular scene like that the very opening scene of 11 63 which we watched recently. oh with James Franco yeah which is a JFK sort of rewrite piece I recommend you go watch it it was good again there you've got somebody telling a very emotional tragic story
0: what was the opening of that one
1: it was um Harry talking about the murder of his family
0: Right, Right? yes, that did open with his monologue and that zoomed out, didn't it?
1: Yeah, so you're, again, like, it's just, it's very powerful because it really makes you feel how the person who that character is talking to would probably feel and that, like, your full attention is given to that person and that cinematographic choice, it really allows you... To forge that connection because you can't help but You can't focus. help but, yeah. yeah,
0: be drawn in with mm-hmm. what they're doing and what they're saying. Mm-hmm. It also reminds me of the scene from La La Land with Emma Stone's character. She's in an audition. And was she's... that at the end? No, it was in the middle. She okay. was going for an audition. It was while she was a struggling actress. Mm-hmm. And she's she was on the phone in this audition and she's just reading these lines and she starts to cry. And someone walks in on her performance, mm-hmm. which... Just makes you feel like shit because you are trying to do this acting scene. Um,
1: well, and it totally breaks the feel of the moment. It does. That's know. the point of it. Mm-hmm. But
0: that's a very good scene, and I think she acts it brilliantly because you are only focusing on her. And I really think that it's scenes like that, maybe even that one, that earned her the Oscar. The Oscar for that role. Mm-hmm. It's just interesting that they they open with that and then go from there. It's it's a very good.
1: It's a good tactic. Yeah. If you want to really set up sort of...
0: The feel a, for the precedent. rest of the movie. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. No, for sure.
0: And definitely the the scope of the acting involved with the people. Like, even the side character without a name, or it doesn't show up again, is just nailing it from the very first yeah. scene.
1: Yeah. No, very good point. I want to talk a little bit more about the context of the time period of this movie. So I, in watching this started thinking, again, because I have somewhat of a fascination with the American Mafia, started thinking about, you know, what kind of contraband would they have dealt in? And the movie uh, later on goes on to talk about that because I was thinking about it, you know, chronologically. Initially, they would have been starting out probably with alcohol during Prohibition because it was something people wanted and they couldn't get so they would be willing to pay whatever money. It would all be driven by money. From there, you get into gambling. When alcohol and gambling are legal again, what does that leave you with? And that's a really big part of this movie is the introduction of the underground narcotics trade into the American black market.
0: That even goes back to when we were talking about how the Don thinks logically and not emotionally, Mm -hmm. where he didn't want to take on the narcotics ring because it wasn't good business. Where if he's thinking emotionally, he would just be thinking money, 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 money. Why
1: is it that he didn't think it was a good idea? I don't think he said I ever it, got that.
0: He said it was too dangerous. Which it is. The drugs, narcotics are a very dangerous business as opposed to gambling.
1: Is it because he didn't want to deal with with out-of-country cartels? or was it Maybe.
0: It was a little okay. unclear. I think it was still a little unclear to me as to what they were doing with gambling. Are they just rigging like boxing matches and things? I'm not really sure. How do you... How is that a business
1: i think i think they were i think they were in the casinos like i think they had ownership is what it was and they probably did have a hand in you know generating more revenue than probably chance would usually dictate i'm not entirely sure
0: i will have to watch it again Mm -hmm. particularly for that scene where they're in vegas talking to mo green who is very high up in in the vegas scene probably owns owns a bunch of the casinos so I don't think that they're that kind of people, but they work with people like that. I would have to see the context of that again mm-hmm. just to understand it.
1: And speaking about Mo Green, so he was a hotel owner. In one of the scenes, this was just preceding the Horsehead scene when Tom is sent to L.A. to, you know, talk a guy into a deal he can't refuse. Yeah. Um, my question was because I think you said something about. Well, you can't just show up in L.A. and expect to muscle your way around. And I thought to myself, but you probably can, though. I was just
0: thinking because they're a big New York family. He's one of the five New York. Well,
1: And that's what I'm thinking is that you probably can, though, because wouldn't wouldn't the mafia have connections all over yes, the U.S.? Yes, and that was a very good big point mm-hmm. uh,
0: with Brando's character is that he had his fingers in politicians and... All
1: over the place. Yeah. yeah. So I just remember, I wanted to write that down and talk about it because I was like, well, actually, I think you probably could. And it shows later too, because Fredo, one of one of the Don's sons, is actually sent away to work with Mo in Vegas. So the point is like, they've even got members of the immediate working family all over the place. On the other side of the country. Right? So yeah. I, I just thought about it. And even now, I think those connections would be even more extensive than they would have been before because you've got such a market for drugs everywhere now that you'd have to have people all over the place. You know what I mean? Talking about
0: the modern day mafia. Yes.
1: Yeah. There's a scene where Michael is going for a meeting with Salazzo, who is the opium dealer who's approached the dawn. Yes. To get into the narcotics trade.
0: I think that's probably the most tense scene. I was on the edge of my seat for that whole scene.
1: Are you talking about the restaurant scene? Yeah. I'm talking about before the restaurant scene. Okay. So they're on the bridge and they just pull a Yui right in the middle of the Brooklyn Bridge because they don't want to be tailed. And I'm thinking about, I'm not sure if the Corleones were wanting to have somebody kind of watching what was going on from the outside. But my question was, nowadays, don't you think it would be a lot harder to lose a tail than it would have been then because... We have trackers in our pockets.
0: I think it's harder to do everything these days. That's because why, of technology. That's why it's not as big of a thing as it, as it was in the past.
1: Because I think you could get away with so much more before you could forge documents more easily. Yeah,
0: everything was on paper.
1: Like, there wasn't gun registries the way there are now. Everything. Like, he just... He had fingerprints, you know, after that restaurant scene. Fingerprints on a gun left at the crime scene with two bodies. And it meant nothing.
0: Did he get away with that, though, because of the family that he's in? Like, was there... The chief captain was corrupt. Mm -hmm. Surely they would have had paid off other people in the police. Or is it just that it's, like, 1946 and no one could look look into it? It's
1: probably both, because there were many witnesses. But they all knew who he was, so they knew that you don't talk about it. So I just... I I think it's both, because also, would you have Michael Corleone's prints on file in the police precinct probably not you know what i mean so i just think a lot of
0: well it was after that that he got sent to italy didn't he
1: he had to go because there would be retribution because one of the other families was working with Salazzo, right and so they would have said you just screwed up all of our business
0: so that was we what who was trying out. to get to him in italy
1: yeah so that's why the Don said you gotta go from my understanding anyway yeah, yeah.
0: I th- I really like that scene purely because this is the first time you've seen Michael do anything... Wh- Related to the family. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it really... you You feel for him because he's being sort of pressured. He's the only person who can do this.
1: Well, he feels pressured, but he feels... He obliges because it's become personal for him. He didn't want to be involved in the goings-on of the family until... The safety of his father was compromised right that is what pushed him too far
0: because that was after the shooting
1: yes that was after the don was put in the hospital
0: it was a him or dad kind of situation
1: yeah Yeah. i could tell it was definitely filmed in the 70s because i am quite familiar with a lot of tv shows that were filmed in the 70s just because i spend a lot of time with my grandparents i watch a lot of mash i watch a lot of archie bunker i watch a lot of three's company so you get used to sort of the coloring
0: the feel yeah
1: there's all of those shows have a slightly yellow hue to that's the interesting film. the frame rate is kind of telltale honestly. Mm.
0: And this is the restored version too, so it's interesting that you still picked up on that.
1: Yeah, um, it's grainy very slightly. It's got a feel, I can always pick it out, but that I think is just because I am very familiar with shows, and with cues too. You can tell by often hairstyles, like it's funny because especially shows that were filmed in the 60s, you could be looking at a a western and she'll have a 60s beehive because it was it was the style of the time. i
0: don't know if that was necessarily the case here i think it was
1: a bit it
0: was a little bit so i sunny does look very i was 70s. gonna
1: say you could definitely tell he had a mini fro going on there yeah um so those cues i think they leave in place because they want at that point they wanted characters to be really really recognizable because you know Like, especially in the 60s, you go to the movies to see an Elvis movie, you want Elvis to look like Elvis because you're really going there to see Elvis, not the movie kind of thing, right? So it's, there was residual of that in the 70s still, which you could see a lot of, like, especially in shows like MASH, that even though it was very well done in terms of costumes and things, the hairstyles and some of the makeup was...
0: Which Quite was set evident. in the 50s, wasn't it? Was it was
1: set in the 50s, but you could definitely still tell that it was filmed in the 70s. I
0: think this film has aged a lot better than a lot of movies in the 70s, particularly even comparing it to MASH.
1: I agree, and that's, I think, a costuming choice, honestly.
0: I think that's because it's set in the 40s. If you, if you date something... Even that's what I
1: mean. You can tell based on props. They, they dated the props well.
0: Yes. So I think it stands up. Uh, a lot better it's almost a 50 year old movie wow it's interesting because when we started the movie i said to you do you know when this movie came out and you're like i don't know 80s 90s i have no idea yeah because you'd never really heard of it and then probably half an hour in you're like i think this is the 70s now
1: yeah because like i said enough time had gone by i could pick out all those cues that i was mentioning to you because also in the beginning it's harder to tell because it's quite dark A lot of it happens In that room. Yeah, so you're not seeing those hues and the graininess of the film because you can't see flickers in darkness. You know what I mean? I see what you're saying. Yeah,
0: so. Well, I think the only sort of downside that I had to the movie was I did find it confusing and I wasn't really sure who everything was, but I think that'll go away with extra viewings.
1: I even thought to myself, I should go through and next time I watch it have like a photo listing of all the characters so that yeah. I can be like, okay, this face is this guy and that's who they're talking about kind of thing.
0: But I think that'll go away with, with extra viewings. The only yeah. other thing was it jumped through time quite quickly and it was yeah. a little hard to follow. Well, wh- wh- when is this? And there was just like little things in there that he had a kid all of a sudden and the kid was like three years old and it's like, okay, now they're married. Because the last time or- you saw Michael with Kay before that was when he just got back... He had been home from Italy for a year, so it'd been like two years. It uh, yeah, just, and it it just went, kept jumping.
1: Like, the one scene he was there, and then the next scene he was back in the States. You're assuming it's a couple weeks later, and it's totally And he gone. said it was a yeah. year later that mm-hmm. he's been
0: back. So it was really, quite a lot of it was around mid-40s, and then all of a sudden jumped and jumped, and, jumped and now it's 1955.
1: And you know, now that I think about it, I think that was kind of a directoral trend of that time. Because I've noticed that with other shows, too, that they tend to jump time a lot more quickly without a lot of explaining to the evidence. I'm thinking of... As long
0: as it's clear, it's fine. As long as you're not expecting the audience to come along with that if you don't show them.
1: Or if you are, then as an audience, be aware that that's an expectation of you. Yeah. Um, so I'll say that to people who want to go watch this now. Just... Keep in mind that there's going to be some, some jumps and to look out for them.
0: Maybe the second one has scenes that are set in those years that have been skipped.
1: That's what I'm kind of curious about. So I'm curious to... I, I would want to, I think, watch this one again and then watch The Godfather too.
0: Yeah, that's probably uh, the best way to do mm-hmm. it. So apart from that, did you have anything else to say?
1: I don't think so. I, I always feel a little bit better after talking about these movies because...
0: You get to think about it yeah, analytically. Yeah.
1: The performances were very good. They were very good. The plot was interesting, and I think I'm going to become more interested in it on a second viewing, personally.
0: I'd really like to watch it again. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was pretty good. With only a couple of minor things that I think will be combed over on repetitive viewings. Mm Mm-hmm. Apart from that, I really, really quite enjoyed it. Good. It's very long. There's a lot, a lot of uh, three-hour-plus movies in the yeah, top we ten. Had,
1: we actually had to watch this over two days. <laughs> so, it was very late when we started yeah. it,
0: which I kind of liked because it got me in two different mindsets.
1: Yeah, you, you had a chance to. I had digest. a chance to,
0: to have a think about what did I watch before that, which I don't usually like to do with movies. I like to just have it in one big chunk, mm-hmm. like as if you're in the theater or something. We have been Daniel and Brenton this week. Thanks for joining us. Feel free to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or comment on SoundCloud. And until next week, thanks for listening.